The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 282 for Thursday, March 19th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our wrestling and MMA shows are Wednesday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And our gaming and entertainment editions are every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Much like the disclaimer said, as always, uh, we do have some strong language. So listener and viewer discretion, as always, is advised. All right. So we got a ton of stuff on deck this evening. A lot of news coming out of Nintendo's camp. A lot of announcement on the entertain. A lot of casting announcements on the entertainment side of things. And um, yeah, we're going to be taking your calls as always, 347-324-3541. As always, if you are uh, shy about getting on air, you can always use the chat as well, mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv to participate. Of course, we do interact with the chat throughout the show. So definitely, um, you know, like I said, if you don't want to call in, you can always use that medium as well. For those of you that are not listening live and want to get the show after broadcast, we can uh, usually have those shows up within 24 to 48 hours. Video versions are available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. Audio versions are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Plus, if you have the official My Take Radio app, which costs $1.99, you can Get those episodes on demand as well, available for iOS, Android, and Windows mobile devices. For Android, you're going to be heading to the Amazon Marketplace. For Windows Mobile, of course, you're going to go to the Windows Store, available for Windows 8 and for Windows mobile devices. And last but not least, for iOS, you are going to be heading to iTunes as usual. All right, so before we crack open this week's entertainment and gaming news, I did want to talk a little bit about something I mentioned on air yesterday, and that is, uh, first thing, our migration of content from MyTakeRadio.com to Rageworks is essentially complete. 
the goal is by this weekend to have mytakeradio.com forward to rageworks.net. So for those of you that are used to going to mytakeradio.com, please, please do not get confused when you end up on Rageworks. Rageworks it presents My Take Radio. So again, everything will be forwarding there uh, starting probably Saturday evening, and that will be the case going forward. As always, archived episodes, live shows, everything is on RageWorks.net. Now, with that said, our Facebook timeline was incredibly packed yesterday with archive posts that for some reason the plugin that we have on site decided to post on Facebook. So many of you had a timeline flooded with countless old stories that we had published on MyTakeRadio.com. Of course, we apologize for that and we have disabled the plugin until the migration is complete. Also, with regards to forum testing, the forum that we were going to execute for the site just added way too many um, backend issues and substantial slowdown. So we're going to have to look at another solution for the time being. We are still looking to create an independent community outside of Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter for all our listeners and readers to interact. Last but not least, and this is the big one, of course, we are revisiting Patreon. We originally had launched a Patreon earlier uh, earlier last year, and it was okay, but um, you know, we, we revisited it, and we spoke to a lot of people asking questions and just trying to get a better understanding of how to make Patreon not only work for us, but also make it mean something for you guys. And I think we have a very good solution. Uh, the goal is, of course, to give you guys a ton of perks, but also allow My Take Radio and RageWorks to grow from, you know, the standard two episode a week format, maybe to something that you can get daily, uh, shorter shows, of course. And of course, and last but not least, event coverage, new hardware, all those fun perks and bonuses as well. Uh, we are going to really go full bore with Patreon, and we're probably going to shoot to launch that maybe the first week in April with some brand new stuff, new video, all of that. But once we do, we will definitely give you guys all the links and all the information either on air or via social media. Last but not least, there's a lot of new stuff on RageWorks.net, including a review of The Gunman starring Sean Penn. That review will be published later this evening also there will be a new buried column from quark and a ton of other stuff going up on the site as well again a reminder mytakeradio.com will be forwarding to rageworks.net please update your favorites accordingly for those of you that subscribe via rss just subscribe to the rageworks rss feed and you will get all the latest content as well as all the latest shows we're also going to launch an email newsletter for those of you that are still uh, fans of just getting stuff in the mail. We're going to try and do some really cool perks for those of you that decide to get a weekly newsletter from us. We're not going to bombard your inbox with stuff, but we're definitely going to try and give you guys perks and other cool things as well. Last but not least, we are going to be doing a contest this weekend for a Blu-ray of the Flintstones WWE film, which, um, I was kind enough to get a copy of, and we're going to be launching that contest over the weekend. I will make sure to post it on social media, and any of you that are interested in obtaining a copy, either for yourselves or for your kids, are definitely welcome to enter. 
We also have a ton of stuff from Toy Fair that we're going to start working on uh, giving away in the coming weeks as well. All right, so here's what we got on deck. Like I said, brand new Nintendo console, possibly in the works. The alleged departure of Hideo Kojima, we're going to get into that. We're also going to discuss Nintendo's um, dipping their toes into the mobile market, which is something I've been talking about for the longest. And I feel I feel like the amazing Kreskin right now, just patting myself on the back because I knew it was inevitable. And we're going to talk about a, ton, about a, bu- a bunch of other stuff as well. And of course... On the entertainment side of things, we got some Marvel and DC news. We have some box office totals and your movies of the week. All right. So with that said, let's get the ball rolling and talk some entertainment, shall we? Wow, I bombed that. We are not opening with entertainment. We are opening with gaming. That was a uh, fuck up on my part. But in any case... Uh, First thing I want to talk about is last week's announcement for Mortal Kombat X with Jason Voorhees joining the Mortal Kombat cast. Of course, I talked about this in previous episodes. Originally, it was a a rumor that picked up a lot of steam. And sure enough, on Friday the 13th, uh, they decided to announce that Jason Voorhees would be available in the game. But unfortunately, he is not going to be available via the usual pre-order methods. Instead, he is going to be available via the combat pack, which is coming in the Mortal Kombat X Collector's Edition, Limited Edition, and Premium Edition. But you can also purchase that pack separately for $29.99. Of course, Mortal Kombat X hits retailers on April 14th, for play, and the game will be available on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and the PC. Of course, Jason Voorhees, I am sure, will not be the only non-Mortal Kombat character joining the series. There have been rumors of the Predator possibly being involved as well. We'll see if that is true. Of course, um, in the last installment, Freddy Krueger was a character that was utilized in the game, and obviously that was met with mixed results, but I'm curious to see what they do with Jason Voorhees. Of course, we also are going to see the return of Goro. There's already trailers showing Sonya Blade, Johnny Cage, and a ton of original combatants, plus some new additions as well. Mortal Kombat definitely is shaping up as a very, very promising next-gen fighting title. I'm actually actually really, really pumped for it, and the only reason is because for next-gen systems right now, there there is a vacuum with regards to fighting games. I mean, Xbox One has Killer Instinct, and... um, You know, PlayStation 4 has to wait till it gets Street Fighter. But still, I think that by releasing something like this multi-platform, it's going to give everybody ample opportunity to reacquaint themselves with the fighting genre, which um, actually, wait a minute. There was one other game, right? Thank you. PS4 has Guilty Gear. Thank you, Slick. Totally slipped my mind just because I didn't pick that game up, which is uh, a big fuck up on my part. But thank you for that reminder. Again, as I said, Mortal Kombat definitely shaping up to be a very, very promising addition to the next-gen consoles. But I will say this, the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 version, even though it is listed as uh, being available on April 14th, I've been hearing conflicting reports that the game will be delayed for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, which should not come as a shock. I think we're going to continue to see this trend 
for the foreseeable future as they slowly start to phase out um, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. And I say this because not phasing out the systems from a, from a retail standpoint, but just phasing out certain console releases. I think for the, for the time being, they're going to continue to do that because there's still people that are refusing to make the jump to quote-unquote next-gen. I mean, I know a couple of people that are still uh, putting in a lot of time on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, as well as a handful of guys that aren't touching either system until certain marquee titles come out. Obviously, on the Xbox side, that would be Halo, and on the PlayStation side, it would be either Uncharted or God of War. But in any event, like I said, it's it's going to be something that I'm seeing that will be commonplace going forward, where the next gen, the quote unquote next gen versions are going to be available right away, and the previous generation titles will be delayed or will be released on a on a different date, which in turn is just going to push more and more people to pull the trigger on new consoles and considering the attractive price points and the very, very uh, varied uh, assortment of bundles, it's it's actually a no-brainer at this point to make the jump. Unless, of course, you have a serious backlog of titles or you're like myself and some of the MTR staff and like having all the systems at your disposal. Now, I will say this, when it comes to uh, these the new systems, I feel, and I've said this before, there is a lot of overlap in terms of certain titles and certain features. Um, there's really no clear-cut winner aside from certain console exclusives. I have a feeling that over the coming months, certain certain consoles are going to pull ahead based on, obviously, bigger releases. On the PlayStation 4 side, of course, Batman Arkham Knight, which even though it will be multi-platform, it looks like PlayStation 4 is getting the bulk of the DLC and stuff uh, DLC and other perks before the Xbox One. Just something to keep in mind if that game is on your radar. Also, I do have to say, and this is something that by I'm sure by Christmas, by Christmas they're going to have both systems at a price point that is going to make it just unavoidable for you to pull the trigger and pick a system up. Plus the amount of features that keep being added and the very, very attractive cable cutting options are definitely making a strong case, including the PlayStation View service, which of course um, is available in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York, which is um, Sony's answer or Sony's first shot at cable providers. Um, it provides almost all the channels, excluding NBC programming, and um, I believe it's going to run you between twenty and thirty dollars a month, are the rough estimates. And it's also going to have cloud-based DVR. It looks like a promising service, but Again, I feel that cord cutting right now is still a a very very disjointed venture. There are some of you that are that have, you know, spoken highly of of pulling the trigger with something like the PlayStation View and maybe supplementing that with Netflix and Hulu. Others are are, you know, waiting with bated breath for an a la carte option which I don't see happening. I think more and more companies are going to realize that they're going to make a substantial um, they're going to make substantially more money just packaging certain services we already know that hbo is doing it with hbo now uh there are rumors that showtime is going to get involved as well the only thing i would like and that's just me personally I, I would like to see hbo now or either get renamed or also include cinemax programming only because cinemax has its fair share of great shows as well 
and it's really starting to pick up steam in terms of original programming. I know that you can get, you know, the official MaxGo app, which is available for mobile devices, but I think that that's something that would really, really kind of turn the tide. Same thing with Showtime and the movie channel, say, and, and, you know, Epics on Demand, which is already available. I think that by going in that direction, you're going to give people a bit more choice versus what's been happening thus far where people have had to, you know, grab Hulu, Netflix, uh, people are also picking up Sling, Sling, which just um, debuted on Xbox One, which I actually am contemplating picking up because you can actually get the El Rey Network on there, which I want to pick up to watch Lucha Underground and a couple of other uh, programs that are available on that network because I don't see it coming to Fios anytime soon. Um, I wish I was wrong, but I'd, I'd pay you know the extra the ten bucks a month to use the Sling the Sling app in order to watch the El Rey Network. I will say this, I believe that if you purchase an Xbox One now, you will get Sling for free for three months. And I think that if you are a current console owner and you decide to download the Sling app, I believe you get you get it free for one month. Again, definitely check it out. See if that's something that you guys are looking, looking to do because like I said, uh, cord cutting is becoming an option, but not an option that's as clear cut as many of us would like to think. All right, so last, I'd like to say last week I mentioned it briefly, but the week prior I definitely discussed it, and that is Forza doing a tie-in with Fast and Furious. Um, there is a separate Fast and Furious game that will be released uh, just in time for the film to hit theaters, but for the time being, if you have Forza Horizon 2 and you want to dust off that game, you're going to be actually, you're going to be able to download all the cars from the film it's going to be included in a free dlc pack that's going to be available from march 27th to april 10th of course you're going to drive all the signature cars dominic toretto's car um you know paul walker's various cars from various films and a slew of other cars from the series again if you already have forza horizon you can get that dlc for free from march 27th till april 10th all right, so let's talk about the big the big elephant in the room, and that is Nintendo's major announcements. First off, Nintendo has announced that they will be partnering with DENA to develop and operate new game apps for smart devices. Now, before you start chomping at the bit thinking that you're going to get Super Mario Bros. 3 or Donkey Kong or any of the other classics on mobile devices, that is not going to be the case, at least not yet. Satoru Iwata said that we will be seeing new properties, new, well, correction, new games and new game apps from Nintendo IPs that are completely separate from existing console offerings, whether it be on the DS side, on the 3DS side, or on the Wii U side. This is going to be completely new stuff available for mobile, available on Android and iOS devices. Now, I've said this before. And I've talked about it at length in numerous episodes. You can go back to any episode that we've discussed and you'll hear me talking about the fact that Nintendo is the king of the perch with with regards to mobile gaming because nobody has really stepped up to challenge in the space. Obviously, over the last couple of years, we've seen that mobile gaming has been on the rise. Not only that, but phone hardware is getting more and more sophisticated to the point where we are getting some very, very impressive titles. I mean, whether you look at Infinity Blade on iOS devices or certain or even the uh, the Marvel Clash of Champions on Android and iOS 
or even the WWE Immortals game, which graphically, even though the game leaves a bit to uh, a bit to uh, let me rephrase that, it leaves things not exactly where they should be for a fighting game on a mobile device, but graphically definitely looks serviceable at serviceable at best. I will say this, and this is what nobody's expecting. Nintendo's going to start with original IPs slowly but surely. But I, I, I just have a nagging suspicion that that's going to be them dipping their, their toes in the water and they're going to release titles down the road on mobile devices. Now, we're not going to get new stuff, but you never know. You may get an original Super Mario Brothers game. I'm not talking about Mario Brothers that came with the NES, but the old Mario Brothers arcade game. I could see an IP like that or even an old Donkey Kong game. Uh, things like that would really um, get people's attention, especially if you price it you know, at that attractive 99 cent price point or even $1.50. I'm sure that Nintendo is chomping at the bit to start putting out mobile stuff because it's going to be a great way for them to leverage that footprint and gain more traction. Not only that, but instead of, you know, the the iOS and Android devices being the enemy, it becomes a situation where the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that's pretty much it. You have to look at it. Nintendo realizes that they are at the top of the food chain and that the PlayStation Vita is definitely not a challenge in the least. But the mobile gaming space is becoming incredibly crowded with, like I said, more and more sophisticated pieces of hardware. So it was definitely a smart move on Nintendo's part to leverage that. Now, again, new IPs, not original stuff. So don't don't go chomping at the bit thinking you're going to get some of these NES classics. I'm sure it'll happen, but it's not something that's going to happen right away. Not only that, but Nintendo and DENA will also have an online membership solution, which will be replacing Club Nintendo. That's going to be launching in the fall of 2015, and that's going to use DENA's um, back. It's going to use its infrastructure to pretty much provide a, ser a service similar to Club Nintendo. Now, Slick says that phones still do not stand up to, to a DS. I disagree. From a graphic standpoint, I feel that there are phones on the market that are definitely more powerful than the DS. I, I stand by that. But I will say this. It, it doesn't matter that graphics don't make games. doesn't matter. The fact is that there are, there are de mobile devices that are more powerful than the DS. What, what I will say is that those powerful devices aren't being leveraged as gaming consoles. It's just not happening. If anything, people are playing, uh, you know, um, Candy Crush, you know, all the usual easily consumable games. I don't see anybody on a phone, at least not yet, playing through Final Fantasy or Legend of Zelda or anything of that magnitude on that system. Mobile games at this, at this time are strictly bite-sized morsels that are you know played in a lobby or in a bathroom or on your break or on a commute they're not as as intensive as the games that have already been established yeah final fantasy one and two but how many people are out there playing that shit on the regular who do you think is playing more stuff people that play final fantasy or people that are playing candy crush or family guy or the smurfs or any of these other microtransaction heavy games that's another thing, too. Nintendo, I'm sure, is going to find a way to not only gain a foothold, but also ensure 
that they're not going to fall victim to relying on microtransactions. That's one thing I got to give Nintendo props for. They are definitely a, um, you know, they're, they're a more, they're, they're a more, uh, a gamer friendly company sometimes, not always. Slick ads, no one is investing 40 plus hours on their cell phone like that. Absolutely not. But nobody's investing 40 plus hours on, on most devices. Only hardcore gamers are, are expressing, are utilizing that much time. I mean, you and, and, and people, again, that are dedicated gamers are investing that much time. To the average mom and pop, you know, they're going to jump out there and they're going to play Mario, you know? Slick adds, DS can be paused by closing. It cannot do that with a cell. Uh, depends on the game. I can, uh, I can actually continue WWE Immortals as long as I don't X out the app and it's, and it's in the background. Uh, same thing can be applied with a Bruce Lee game that I have, that as long as you don't close the game out, you can still resume it at a later date. Again, I'm not here to... It doesn't matter. I mean, Slick, Slick, are you there? Yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired of fucking. I'm tired of arguing with a fucking chat room window. It doesn't make any sense. State your case. I mean, I agree that that cell phone games are getting better, but I, I still don't feel that they're touching a, a DS. But how? Again, I mean, I want look that Nintendo is being proactive and you know cementing, continuing to cement their position, but take the best. You know, well, not the best. There's only one iPhone. Take the iPhone 6 and whatever Android device of choice, you know, running, what is it? What's the, the new one? Lollipop. Lollipop. Whatever, whatever the best Android phone is right now, and they're still not touching the 3DS. But are you only saying this from a gaming perspective? Because from a hardware perspective, dude, I, I beg to differ. I'm saying this as a portable gaming device. Okay, but that's because one is exclusively a portable g gaming device. The other is a multi-use device. I mean, that's apples and oranges from that comparison. What I will say is this. The DS benefits from having a library of titles that are extremely well-established and are extremely well-recognized. Not only that, but every game that comes out, whether it's an original IP or an IP that comes from a really strong third-party company, the DS is always going to go out of its way to make that game look great. I will, give, I will give them their due. But I will say this. By Nintendo getting in bed with mobile companies, it is going to open the floodgates for other companies to really start re giving the mobile, out, you know, the mobile outlet a different look. Well, I don't know. I mean, taking just as an example, I mean, I'm not taking it as the end all be all because... I'm pretty much anti all award shows, but if you look at the the game award that came out this past December, right, there was only one one um one title that was for a you know specifically for a cell phone that even was nominated, right, and the the rest was something that you would see like on a DS. All I'm just saying is like from a gaming standpoint. Again, it's it's makes sense for Nintendo to be proactive because you never know what'll come out tomorrow. Exactly. But I'm saying as of today, as of this moment, Nintendo still has nothing to worry about. Nintendo doesn't have anything to worry about because they've just doubled that they've just doubled their, their market share in terms of getting in terms of getting their IPs out there. 
Nintendo's not worried. Nintendo wasn't even, I wasn't even worried for Nintendo when the agreement was announced because people were automatically saying that it's a, it's a desperation ploy. It's not a desperation ploy. Again, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It's like, we know that the Vita is not dethroning Nintendo anytime soon. It's not happening. Not unless something drastically changes. Exactly. But again, for every DS, yes, there, there's definitely a large market for DS owners out there. But almost everybody nowadays has a smartphone. Nintendo would be stupid not to leverage that. Am I wrong? Everybody has a smartphone, but at the same time, everybody who would literally consider themselves a gamer probably has a DS. I can't say, of course, I can't say that for certain, but... Right, because I'm a gamer. I ain't got one. (laughs) All right, you know what? Let me correct myself somewhat. (laughs) People who actually have time on their hands probably have a DS. I haven't played my DS much lately, but that's because I've been driving. Right. When I'm when I'm on the the railroad, I always have my DS with me. Okay. Answer me this though. If you're home and you have to go to the bathroom, what's going in the toilet with you? Your phone or your DS? Honestly, it depends. Okay. But my phone my phone pretty much goes with me everywhere, but it doesn't mean that I wish in that specific situation that that the phone wouldn't be, you know, sitting on the side and the DS wouldn't be in my hand. Okay. Totally. I ask only because again, I'll tell you I'll tell you why I don't I haven't I don't buy the DS or the Vita. I had a I had a play a PSP once. And the reason I had it at that time was because you could mod it. And I downloaded a whole bunch of shit, PS one games. I was playing them for a while and then I realized got a modded ps2 why 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 do i need this paperweight that i'm only playing once in a while yes obviously from a commuting standpoint it makes total sense but if you're home you're only investing time into your television and your home console unless you're 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 really really hardcore into mobile gaming now on the cell phone side of things nintendo's probably going to put out smaller stuff easily accessible stuff that they can charge you know a couple of bucks for that nobody will bat an eye at but that definitely will dethrone a lot of the number one selling games on ios and android because think about it yeah angry birds transformers let's use that as an example maybe it's number three and it sold a shit ton of units on both ios and android and hell maybe even windows mobile but if nintendo decides hey we're gonna put out Mario Party Mobile, just as an example, don't you think that everybody's going to jump on board because they know they're going to, you know, they're going to get a quality game that isn't going to be littered with ads because Nintendo probably won't even put ads in their shit. They'll just charge a decent amount of money. True, but it also depends on if they put it out directly or if they put it out through somebody. If they put it out through somebody, you're going to still see ads. And to answer your question on, you know, why would you have a PSP or a Vita or whatever, you have the modded PS2 at home, that also kind of depends on your living situation. I mean, you and I, I would say, are fortunate. I okay. know people who live on really, really, really shitty grids and lose power all the time. I mean, in my life, and, you know, I'm usually within my, you know, circle, one of the oldest people I know, and... I've lost power maybe three times in my life. I know people who lose power, you know, at least three times a year. Okay. 
And if you are, you know, I'll, I'll say it, I'm, I'm a junkie gamer, and especially if if the power's excuse me, if the power's out and I got nothing to do, if it's nighttime, you can't exactly read a book very easily, but you could turn on a, a, a handheld system. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. So, I mean, again, it, 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 it always depends on your situation, but, I mean, I, I still stand by, at least <clears throat> in the handheld realm, that Nintendo is pretty solidified for the moment. Again, oh, yeah. things could change as early as tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Nintendo. But, but even if they changed, Nintendo has experience on their side. Even if Apple turned around and said, we're going to open an in-house development studio and start putting out games. It's going to take time unless they just start poaching talent from everybody else. It's going to take time. So, again, like, you know, going back to what I said, Nintendo's just leveraging the outlet that will allow them to get in front of more eyes. You know, and I agree with you, but you said Nintendo has experience. Nintendo has experience in consoles and look where they are right now. Yeah, but Nintendo's experience in consoles is because they decided to go walled garden and really not try to, to, to really take it to these other companies. Instead, they figured, oh, we're going to go out there and we're going to put out a system ahead of the competition and not even lock down viable IPs. Again, it's like I've said before, Nintendo has a reliance on what they've already established. They're not going after the Street Fighter V. They're not going after the GTA. And that's what I'm saying. If you would have put out the Wii U before... Xbox, you know, Xbox One and, play, and PS4, and there would have been a, a version of GTA on that ga- on that system. You would have show it would have showed that Nintendo was willing to take that gamble. But again, Nintendo relies on the tried and true Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, Star Fox, Pokemon, the usual laundry list of characters. And don't and and don't misunderstand, they are successful and they make them money and the numbers don't lie. But at which point? Are you going to look at your, you know, is the company going to look at themselves and say, fuck, we are, we're, we're not even close to being, we're not even close to taking out number two. Well, I mean, that's a situation where one of us or both of us would have to be the flies on the wall. Because right. In, in 14 years, Nintendo has released one Grand Theft Auto game. It was a handheld and it was, you know, it wasn't by any means bad, but it was an offshoot of you know of a, of an older title it's like by that time by the time that came out i think grand theft auto 4 was already out and this was like a throwback to the grand theft auto 3 series so, right wasn't that chinatown wars I, mean, I hear what, that's exactly the game i'm talking about right that's the one grand theft auto game granted it is still an exclusive but that was the one grand theft auto game that came out for nintendo in 14 years I say 14 specifically because Grand Theft Auto 3 came out in like 2001. But yeah, but you see, you see that. But I'm talking about, hey, we got this new hardware. Guess what, guys? We got GTA or we got Call of Duty or we got X or we got Y. But the problem is that they put themselves in a corner. They back themselves into such a corner where developers are like, eh, the Wii U, not touching it. And that's a problem. I mean, and this leads me into the next the next thing, which is, you know, Satoru Iwata talking about their brand new console that they're working on called the NX. And again, the Wii U is a fairly powerful system. But once the Xbox One and PS4 came out, obviously the game changed. Now Nintendo's coming into the party 
with two two companies established and with a foothold in quote unquote next generation gaming. So Nintendo in this instance actually has the the wherewithal and the tools to put out a console that is on that same level. Will they do it is the question. That is the big question. Because it's easy for us to assume will, will it be will it really be a new console or will it be a new update to the week? Exactly. And if it's a new update to the Wii, I hate to say it, but it's like they've 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 pretty much shot themselves in the foot at that point. Because what good is an updated Wii if you can't play call if you're not playing if Call of Duty's not on it? Just as an example. Or N or NFL two K or any of the other big big third party titles. They need to stop alienating certain companies and I think it's that whole yep. you know, Japan not really getting along with yep. like for example the US and they, they, if they really, as a company, I'm, I'm just saying, not even as a gaming company, but as a company that's out to make money, want to continue to do so, they have to, they have to establish those relationships. And even if they don't get Call of Duty, they need to get the next thing to top that. They need, if they want to just have their own title, they need to get something that is. For example, in the same vein as Grand Theft Auto Five, but it's better. Right. Not Obviously, only that's not watchdogs. Right. But here's here's another thing. It's like, all right, let, uh, taking what you just said as a great example that they don't want to deal with U.S. companies. Okay. Why can't we see? I don't know. Street Fighter Five on the next system, uh, or how, why can't we see the next Final Fantasy title from Square Enix, or why can't we see the next Metal Gear? Or why can't we see the next Tekken game? You see what I'm saying? All Japanese companies. I have no idea. I mean, that that could have something to do with the fact that, you know, those companies seem to have a better relationship with Sony, which is also a Japanese company. But right. that again, that's that's a situation that where to properly answer that you need to be the fly on the wall. Oh, of course, but what 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 begs the big question here is, okay. We're doing, we're doing, you know, the we're we're attacking smartphones, we're attacking tablets. We got the Wii U, we got the 3DS, but then we got this brand new NX system coming out. Okay, so by you announcing the NX system now, right now, I guarantee you, anybody who was on the fence about the Wii U is gonna think about it because now they're gonna be like, oh well, if they got a new system coming out, well, I, I might have to, I might just wait. Anybody who does that is a fool. Of course, because but they might. All, they might, but I'm saying, if you need a gaming fix, that's what I, I, you know, I, I partially take that comment back. If you need a gaming fix, you're gonna be waiting a long ass time. Because first of all, all interviews have said that Nintendo said they will announce their co their console next year, which means yep. they will tell you what it is at like E3 or at a one of the Nintendo conferences around E3 or something. Yep. And they'll just tell you what it is. That means that it still will not be for sale until at least 2017 or 2018. This is true. Now, the thing... The so thing if you're at 2015 sitting saying, I'm going to wait for that NX console, whatever it winds up being named, because I guarantee it won't be NX. No, of course they, not. Then you're going to be waiting a long time. Well, here's the thing that was that was funny to me. You know, you look on Twitter, you look on social media, and you know, you tell you see people like, "Damn, what the fuck did I buy a Wii for?" 
if they're already working on the next on the next system. And, uh, you know, I actually responded to one person uh, on Facebook and I, you know, I messaged them and I was like, you know, you're upset that you bought the Wii, but the Wii has a lot of great titles, not only available, but in the pipeline. Just enjoy the shit now. Like, why, why would you be upset about it if you're getting your enjoyment out of it now as we speak? Sure, Nintendo has its, has its ups and downs. You know, I always like to look at them as, as, you know, the apple of gaming. You know, they have their walled garden. They have their own special way of doing shit that just makes no sense to anybody but them. But the numbers don't lie. You know what I mean? Nintendo's been around way too long, and, and companies have come and gone that have tried to dethrone them. You know, Panasonic with the 3DO, Sega with the Dreamcast, the list goes on and on. The only companies that have managed to take it to them are the companies with deep pockets. And even and even though Sony's PlayStation 4 is killing it, Sony as a company has lost a shit ton of money in everything else. It's almost like the only thing they do right are cameras tvs and the playstation 4 because they got rid of their vio lineup their mobile devices while they're good nobody's chomping at the bit you know oh i gotta get the latest sony phone so with that think about it Let, let's 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 be real let's call a spade a spade i've i've walked in, i've walked into the sony store and i've seen great fucking phones beautiful phones they're waterproof they do all this shit but it's like oh did this one? Did this get the latest version of Android? Nah, shit's still running like KitKat or whatever. And it's like, yo, but the phone just and came out recently. That PlayStation phone they had, they they got rid of that too. There you go. Because again, they say, oh, we, we're gonna do this. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that Sony's a, a a shitty company. They're not. But they also realize that certain niches they just can't do it. It's like when you're competing against Apple and Samsung. At this point, and HTC, you know, heavy hitters in the game. No, uh, unless you putting out something that you know has has first party Google updates, uh, a 16 megapixel rear camera, you know, real shit. Nobody's gonna pay you uh, an ounce of thought. I'll be honest. When you I know was... what the problem is, and this applies to both Sony and Nintendo. Shoot, it's it's the it's really it's the cultural barrier because. I mean, you have to expect it, too, though. Both companies are Japanese. Right. Both companies really have Japan in mind first. You can't be mad at them for that. But Japan really is, and I, I don't say this in any way to be critical of them. Right. It's fine if, you know, you won't do your own thing. But Japan is almost literally another world compared to the rest of the world. Just about everybody looks at Japanese culture, and again, I'm not saying they down it, but they're like, "Whoa, they're doing some way out shit." Well, not and only a lot of their stuff works there, but doesn't necessarily work anywhere else. Well, here's here's something here's here's a good example, and I'm gonna go a little a little into left field. Japanese public bathrooms. Now, bear with me. A Japanese public bathroom <laughs> has fucking a heated seat. A fucking bidet, really nice yep. linens. Just you walk into this bathroom, you might as well just pay rent and stay there. Again, you look at Jap uh, at, at the Japanese transit system, way ahead of the curve. Uh, there's no better example than looking at Japan after the tsunami and looking at the same photos from Japan a year later and it looking like nothing happened. 
And you know this. This this shit's on Google Images. I'm not even lying or, or making it up or exaggerating. You know this. You've seen this shit, too. And then the fact that they they almost had a, their own Chernobyl, and it's like nothing happened. They, well... Let, let's not let's not kid ourselves with their own Chernobyl. I'm sure there's going to be motherfuckers that are going to be born looking like Goro in the next couple of months. <laughs> I know this for a fact. I'm sure that there's a, a fish walking around on land wearing scuba gear, having conversations and shit. I'm sure yes, all... but I mean, you, you, you find I, that in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Like, what, I'm, what I'm saying is... I'm not saying it as a negative. You take, you take that situation... And you take Chernobyl. Oh yeah, I. You can't go into you can't go into Chernobyl right now. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not downplaying that. But what I'm saying is that what what in their situation they took that situation and they've contained it to the point where shit could be terrible over there. But you will never know. You will never know. You they they could they could have a giant monster destroying some island village, a la Godzilla, for real. And we won't even know. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, that what happened to that island? Oh, you know, there was some, some radi- a radiation leak and we had to firebomb the island and sink it. But we got everybody off. And no, 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 everybody's dead. <laughs> Islands at the bottom of the fucking ocean with Atlantis. Last year. Last year's Godzilla movie really wasn't an American movie. It really was Japanese. Yeah, it was the real shit. It, it, was, a, it was a documentary. That's it. The shit was a documentary. It really happened. The names and fa- the names were changed to to protect the safety of the survivors. But I'm but I'm serious. You know, you look at you look at Nintendo. You look at their approach. They are and and again, this isn't a knock on Apple. But everybody always talks about Apple because Apple has a very high premium on their devices, but they are also essentially a walled garden. There's no, there's no tweaking, there's no customization, and you can customize shit now, but you're customizing it with their rules. Nintendo plays by that similar mindset. You know, hey, PlayStation, what's your, what's your user ID? Hey, Xbox, what's your gamer tag? Hey Nintendo, what's your social security number slash coordinates? They don't do that anymore, damn it. It's like they have hey, very simple, very simple gamer tags on the Wii U. Get the fuck out of here. The fucking gamer tags look like the codes from the Matrix. No, that's on the Wii, not on the Wii U. Are you serious? Dude, if you have a Wii U, you will you will connect to me by putting in BH Slick. That's it. That's it. No, no fucking niner seven six eight six three five six two six. No, no, no prison barcodes. None of that. None of that. No, no inmate numbers. But, but okay, let's think about this. So you did that with the Wii U. Why can't the 3DS have the same shit at this point? <laughs> and don't tell me just child safety, because there should be a stranger danger button on that shit anyway. Seriously. It's to protect the children. It's protecting the children. Protecting the children from what? Godzilla? Nuclear fallout? Three-eyed fish? This is a country that makes videos about guys running up to girls and trying to sniff their underwear. This is a company that has underwear in vending machines. And you're over here worried about the fucking children? Used underwear at that. Thank you. But we're worried about the children. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could keep believing that. But in all seriousness... I applaud Nintendo for taking, like I said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend approach. They knew. They're like, hey, you know, eventually they're going to find a way to get Steve Jobs' soul in the iPhone. And at that point, we're all fucked. 
So what do you what are we gonna do? Well, let's jump into the mobile space. Like that's, that's I, what I, they gotta do. That dude, that's exactly what they gotta do. Think about it. People are. Uh, People are complaining about buying a 3DS for $249, but those will be the same motherfuckers that got a $600 iPhone warm in their pocket. And you know I'm right. You are. Because I know... Worse than that, they'll wait outside for it for two weeks. Thank you. You'll be like, hey, you know, why didn't you pick up the new uh, 3DS and Smash Brothers? You like the game? Nah, man, I'm not trying to carry that big-ass shit around. You got what's essentially a small tablet in your pocket. I make no qualms about my big-ass phone. None. This is my big-ass phone. I acknowledge it, and I wear it with pride. But like I said, those will be the same people that are like, nah, man, that's just too big. I ain't trying to carry that and my phone. Okay. <laughs> and they said it was too big until fucking Apple released that 6. Yep. That 6 Plus. Yep, nobody. Now it's okay. Yep, nobody. Did it. Nobody says shit about my phone now. On the contrary, they'll be like, hey, your phone's kind of thick. <laughs> That's what I get. My phone has fucking self-esteem issues now. Because the iPhone is the fucking Twiggy of the cell phone world. I'm rocking, I'm rocking the fucking Kim Kardashian of mobile devices. But, you know, my phone isn't skinny enough. Yikes. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this big, this big news story. Everybody, every website is reporting that Hideo Kojima is leaving Konami after Metal Gear 5. According to a report from GameStop, Kojima and many senior staff at his studio, Kojima Productions, will leave Konami after the release of Metal Gear Solid 5: The Phantom Pain. According to the report, Kojima is currently working at Konami as a contractor and not as a full-time employee. GameSpot cites an unnamed source within Kojima Productions who told the site that after we finish Metal Gear Solid 5, Mr. Kojima and upper management will leave Konami. They said their contract ends in December. The reasoning is unclear, but GameSpot has mentioned power struggles between the studio and the publisher. Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain is due to launch in September, and Kojima is currently working on a new Silent Hill game in partnership with Guillermo del Toro. So, let's, let, let's, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Let's say Kojima is leaving. Who would benefit from his talents right now? Um, considering that Hideo Kojima is, forgive my French, a fucking weirdo, um, <laughs> I would say a company like Atlas. Solid, a solid pickup. Any, any company that, any company that makes out there games would, would definitely benefit. Any company that wouldn't mind releasing a, um, basically like a 20 hour long movie that has a couple of button presses in it. They, they would they would benefit from them. Well, here's you know here's one thing, and this is um the way the way I see it is, and and this is again pure speculation at this at this point. The Metal Gear Solid series has only succeeded because Hideo Kojima is a maniac. <laughs> he is a lunatic. Yes. That ending, that entire exchange of Metal Gear Solid Two to this day. I still just look at that game and go, what the fuck did I just play? You played a, a naked guy flipping around holding his junk. You know, it's like, it's it, it's like you know, the Patriots. And don't get me wrong, the story's super crazy. But it's like you went from an amazing first game 
to holy shit we're gonna load this up with with espionage and intrigue but none of it's gonna make a lick of sense and then raiden (laughs) you know it's like and then raiden and then just cyborg ninja that cuts people into itty bitty little pieces that's part of why i you know personally have not really picked up on the series because i just was like I, i i can't well here's here's the thing with me Looking at Hideo Kojima's record and the fact that he creates such crazy games, like the dude, the dude, the, the dude creates games that people just lose their shit over. You know, Zone of Enders, a good example. Like I played that game and I'm like, okay, yeah, kind of cool, but nah. <laughs> that again, that's just me. Uh, I, maybe, maybe I missed the gist of it, but it reminds. It, I felt like I was like I should be playing Psychic Force. <laughs> Nothing. Well, <laughs> I, I played it a while ago. I actually have the HD remake, which that one I haven't played yet because I wanted to play the second one. I never had played the second runner. But um, I think the most disturbing thing about that is I, I yeah I did play Zone of the Enders before I saw Neon Genesis Evangelion. Is the concept that you have this little kid fighting an interstellar war and that's pretty disturbing in and of itself that you have these grown people that are just obsessed with killing him and they know he's a kid yep i'm like y'all got issues dude it's crazy shit and the guy who wrote this story got issues i'll tell you what if sony were smart they'd lock up hideo kojima and bring that studio in house yeah because i mean they definitely would would um get sales. I mean, if they get, you know, one of their, their, um, first party houses, like just, the, um, what do you call it? I think it's just Sony computer entertainment that, right. that makes like God of war. If they just put them in there, they'd be, you know, that'd be golden for them. But that's what I mean. I think, I think that Hideo Kojima is in a very interesting situation because here you have a guy that pretty much breathed life into a game that everybody their fondest memories of it were 8-bit, and he just turned the entire industry on its head with Metal Gear Solid on, on, on PlayStation 1. You know, when you first played that, you're like, what the fuck? Correction, uh, on PlayStation 2. Nobody knew. It's like, think about it. When you had to switch controllers in that first fight in that game, nobody was thinking of that back then. <laughs> nobody, dude. Nobody. Like, that required a lot of thought. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy that whose creativity is on a whole other level. It's like you need to harness that immediately. Well, and Sony would be probably the only one who could get him because, again, we're citing that whole Japan doesn't like to mess with the U.S. thing. I doubt that Microsoft could get him. If Microsoft were to get him, it would have to involve a lot of zeros and a lot of creative control. Like, hey, dude, you can do whatever you want. You want to make a game about a talking pig with a Gatling gun that surfs through the streets on rollerblades? Let's do it. All good. You want the entire game to be controlled with only X? Done. <laughs> that's that's well, that that's where I see it going. A, a wait and see, but honestly, if anybody did get them, I think Sony would get them. And as far as if one of the big three companies got them, if Nintendo manages to them, it would be a big win for them. Yeah, we'll see. In I, a way, it would kind of be like coming home. 
Yeah, if Nintendo if Nintendo got Hideo Kojima, it would it would it would be big because people will be watching with bated breath to see what game he's gonna put out. And knowing him, he's gonna put out a game with an assassin turtle. <laughs> well, we have to be careful with something like that because <laughs> you know it's Nintendo. It's gonna be it's gonna be a rogue Koopa. I could that be wrong. Work. I'd play a rogue Koopa game. Make it like Happy Tree Friends. <laughs> the rogue Koopa kills half of, of Bowser's kids. That's it. <laughs> He's on the run. Just a just a mercenary Koopa. That would be hilarious, dude. But again, that, that that's thinking a little outside of the box. I did. Um, I actually, aside from from bringing you on to talk about the mobile gaming space. I did want to discuss what you had brought to my attention off air, and that is the uh, the hacking phenomenon that is ruining GTA, not just for you, but for a litany of other players. Because it's funny, after you and I had our conversation earlier today, I I got a couple of messages from a couple of other people that are like, hey, have you have you played GTA yet? And I'm like, nah, I haven't even fucked with it. It's still in plastic. And they were just like, yo, this online shit is insane and it wasn't insane in a good way it was frustration and anger and again not going to what dark helmet said last week about you know the heist and shit but just about the the way that people are leveraging this game and sucking all the joy out of it i don't i don't even get i mean it, it's gotta be the younger half of the the population because someone like myself I mean, I'm sure I could do it, but the shit that you have to go through to be able to do this stuff, it's just not worth my time because it's not like you're playing this on a computer where you could just be typing in code. Right. They're doing this, like, through the background settings that you have to do off of the game and all kinds of shit. And like I said, it's really not worth my time because, like you said, you haven't played it, but even to play story mode, it takes like three minutes for that shit to start. Like you, you turn on. I mean, you you have both PlayStation Three and PlayStation Four. Turn on your, your console, right? And from when you select your game and hit X to start it, you gotta wait for you know like the the disclaimer of all the Rockstar credits. You gotta watch the little cinematic of Rockstar, Rockstar North. Right. Then the music comes in. The game gives you a couple of seconds to decide whether you want to play story mode or online mode. And from there, it literally takes, like, for, sto- for story mode, it takes, like, one or two minutes to start. For online mode, it takes anywhere from three to five minutes to start. Right. In other words, from seeing the, the loading screens to where, you know, you can control your character. I... I I don't want anything to do with adding all this extra bullshit so that I can cheat. I mean, the normal stuff that goes on in that game is, you know, in terms of the real world, essentially cheating. Right. And it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's fun to play. But when you, when you have people shooting through walls and fucking teleporting all over the map, and yesterday, you know, one of, you know, one of my friends that, um, he actually posted a video. He's inside his apartment, which is, you know, quote unquote, the safe zone. Right. And there's a guy that he didn't invite him into his apartment, already in his apartment, and he's shooting him. 
guns don't work inside apartments. You can't even arm yourself inside an apartment. I'm like, what the fuck? Get your hand out my pocket. <laughs> yes. You get the fuck out of my house. Oh, man. Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. I Yes, I, I am that wrong. Yeah. Again, a disclaimer, folks. If you are a Jehovah's Witness, please consider that satire. <laughs> but the thing the they get... The views are slick and not necessarily the views of the rest of my tech radio and race work staff. There you go. I, I, it's, I wanna, I'm glad you bring this stuff up, and I'll tell you why. Um, NetherRealm has a funny way of dealing with rage quitters for Mortal Kombat X. The same way that you're talking about people cheating in, in GTA... Mortal Kombat has a solution for that problem, and that is called quitalities, meaning that if you rage quit, your character's head will the character's head will explode, and you will win. And it actually says quitality, flawless victory. Wow. So, with that said, rage quitting it is it is you know it's it, it's it's one of those things where you're gonna have to tough it out. And I applaud NetherRealm for doing that because, again, rage quitting in games is is the norm. But the fact that you're 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 gonna die for it is priceless. And in GTA's case, it I just really want to know how deep and how creative these kids are that they are hacking a console game with such ease. Most of them are not creative at all. It's just the fact that you'll have one super genius slash dickhead they'll figure out how to do it they'll put a video on youtube showing themselves doing it because you know if you can't see it you don't believe it of course and they'll say this is how you do it <laughs> or or hit hit like and subscribe to my page and message me and i'll tell you how to do it oh my god and then everybody fucking does it but i especially because you're such a seasoned player how is Rockstar handling this? They're not. They're not handling it. They they, they simply they simply can't be handling it because for one thing, the release of Heist has almost crippled the PlayStation Three version. Right. It seems to work okay on the PlayStation Four version, which goes back to our thing of saying that you know they already got our money for the PlayStation Three, and they yep. they want our money on the PlayStation Four Bingo. or the Xbox One. But in either version, you have these hacking situations. I haven't seen as much of it on the PlayStation Four, but now you know, thanks to my friend posting the video, you know, I have seen it on the PlayStation Four, and it's like it's rampant on the PlayStation Three. It's like Dark Helmet said last week. The guy was walking a dog. The dog spit rockets. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> the dog is not even a weapon. It's not like you can really sick the dog on somebody because, <laughs> you know, you don't want to have any instance of people shooting dogs. Dude, I'd lose my mind. This is this is why I'm kind of glad that I... Not not that I, I, I am anti you know, online gaming, because I'm not. But sometimes I just want to play the game and enjoy it and not have to throw my controller at a wall because some guy decided that he is going to have his pet goldfish spit landmines at you while you walk into your apartment. 
And to be honest, some people play fair. They, it, you, you could call it cheating in a way, but they, they really are not breaking any of the rules. It is really creative because myself, I got caught just a couple of days ago. I went into my apartment because I, um, it sounds funny, but I was literally washing the blood off of myself. I went into my apartment to wash the blood off, and I came back out. I came out through the garage. As soon as I walked outside of the garage, I heard, beep, 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 beep. I said, what the, f-? boom, I'm dead. Because somebody put a proximity mine right where your character will spawn when they walk out of the garage. Oh, man. Perfectly legal. That's perfectly legal. I can't get mad at that. I can say, oh, what the fuck? But then they didn't cheat. Fair enough. Now, if something like that happens when you walk in your apartment, <laughs> I, you know, dude, I'm not, I'm not making light of the misfortune of, of you and any of the other gamers that are currently enduring this. It's just that it's so, it's so insane and so funny at the same time that you don't even know how to approach it. You're just like, fuck, you know, it's a, it, it, you, you can't help but laugh. But the fact that it's detracting and it's it's t- it's sucking so much enjoyment out of the game is insane. It's like I don't know why they don't have like their staff because the staff does play the game. Why they don't have their staff playing just in random servers and just picking these people out when they when they see it happen? I think and, that you know just just banning them because that whole situation where people were doing the cheat where they were getting. Millions of dollars, millions of dollars. <laughs> they 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 went after them, right? But they only went after them because getting millions of dollars it eliminates the need to go to the PlayStation Store, spend real money to get millions of dollars because you can buy prepaid credit cards in Grand Theft Auto with real money, which is completely fucking stupid to me. When I could just rob a bunch of people. This is true. I think that overall, the, the the situation with this game that's plaguing this title is something that, that is far bigger than just hacking. I think that, honestly, it's just a, a matter that Rockstar just, and, and, you know, you kind of alluded to this before, they just took their money and ran. It's like, all right, here's the servers, here's all the extra stuff, good luck. And the shit that kills me the worst is that I once got into an argument with somebody who um is... And this particular person, I, I laugh at the fact that they're still waiting for the PC version. But I was like, it's it's going to be really bad for you guys because that's where the modding community really comes in. It's yep. like, it's bad enough that people are cheating now. Wait till you guys are get, get to play on PC. It's going to be really terrible. It's like, oh, no, those aren't cheats. Those just mod. No, you don't get it. And especially since you haven't played the game because you're waiting for the PC version, you really don't get it. Right. It is it is a it is a crazy state of affairs, man, and you know the fact that it continues to just get worse and worse and really sucks the enjoyment out of the game for you is just incredibly alarming, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted you to kind of touch on that because last week, you know, Dark Helmet and 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 yourself were were very vocal about the online heist and the servers and all that stuff, but this problem, the hacking problem, is a lot more prevalent and is a lot bigger. Because it's it's genuinely taking away from the enjoyment of the game. And that's where it also becomes a joke because you want to get away from the hacking. And yes, you can start a lobby that is just 
you in the lobby, but then what's the fun in that? That's not even story mode because it, it doesn't have as much stuff going on. You can start it if you have enough of your friends. You can just do a friends-only lobby. But even that is limited and fun because when you when you join with your friends, you really want to go after the people that aren't your friends. Right. But the thing is, when you start a heist, a heist is essentially a a uh, multi-stage mission. You, right. You have to do at least four individual missions to complete a heist. Okay. And during that time, it's only the people who are in the heist. None of the other people are involved. Like, you're in a, a separate lobby. Gotcha. So the hackers are gone when you're doing a heist, which would be fantastic if you could actually start a heist. <laughs> this is true. Well, it's something that, you know, we're gonna. I'm going to continue to kind of touch base with you on for the foreseeable future while you're playing the game. I did want to close things out with a very interesting stat, which surprised me only because the game had really a, a, a mediocre advertising campaign, and to see this many units shipped was very surprising, and that is Dragon Ball Xenoverse, which has shipped 1.5 million units worldwide. Now remember, shipped re- refers to the number of units sent to retailers versus the number actually bought by customers, but still, you ship 1.5 million units of a Dragon Ball game that for all you know for all intents and purposes was only known because of a handful of of print campaigns and maybe a couple of YouTube videos and a very very minimal advertising campaign well there's a couple of things that 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 tie into that and I don't want to go too much into it cuz it cuts over into entertainment right but i mean there are there's the fact that YouTube videos for the game have been around for over a year. Yep. It's been shown at E3 and like Tokyo game shows, stuff like that. Right. So it, it did get itself out there. There's a, a soda company in Japan, which I forget the name of it. It's something that is ridiculous when you, you know, in English, but they have like um, Goku dancing with the rest of the fighters on Kami's lookout to sell the orange flavor and Frieza in his final form dancing with the Ginyu squad to sell the grape, which that really is more to tie into the upcoming movie, which is like Frieza going like God level or something. Frieza is back. Yes. And that all that tied together helps sell the game. Okay. Well, the, the the funny thing is, I actually was going to pick up Dragon Ball Xenoverse, and I ended up picking up um, the the latest Dead or Alive game with the uh, with the booby setting. And um, the funny thing is that I do want to pick up Dragon Ball Xenoverse because I want to be able to create my own character. Because who doesn't want to be a, a Dragon Ball Z fighter? I mean, we all do secretly. Some of us more than others. But um, every th- the couple of retailers that I went to look for the game either had one copy left or had sold out for that particular day. And I was kind of surprised. So to see that they shipped 1.5 million units, obviously the popularity of Dragon Ball is there, but the popularity isn't what it was, I don't know, five years ago when, you know, the Cartoon Network was going hard playing Dragon Ball stuff. And, you know, we, we, we saw Dragon Ball Z merchandise everywhere. Now it's a little bit more contained. So to see 
a number like that, I really, uh, you know, I want to see the MPD numbers just to see if the game even cracked the top 10. Yeah, I would probably pick it up when it drops in price because aside from creating your own character, there's nothing that I saw that makes me think that it's any different from any of the other games. I mean, yeah, you're fighting all the the um, the different sceneries and landscapes from the, the show and everything, but other than that, it's I still see it as the same thing. Well, I've heard about that the game has like, questionable combat mechanics, which again, you know, that's that's in the eye of the reviewer. So I want to I want to get my hands on it myself and, and give it a, a fair shot before just dismissing it totally. Because if 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 I went by the reviews of of certain games that I actually enjoyed, forget it. I wouldn't play shit at that point. So I mean, graphically the game looks good. I, I, I you know PlayStation Four and Xbox One definitely do the game justice with its vibrant colors and and really really fast motion but um you know the big the biggest draw is is creating your own character now the combat mechanics like i said i want to check out and and i really really want to know how it placed in regards to just overall sales volume because again that's 1.5 million copies shipped so i'm curious to see how many of those genuinely moved yeah i hear you but i mean even out of that for 1.5 million to ship, that means that these stores are reordering. Yep, definitely. I agree 100%. Um, aside from that, that was actually the last bit of gaming news. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I just, you know, be careful when you try to go get that one. You know, there's people out there that, if, you know, you don't you don't give them the chicken nuggets at 10.30 in the morning, they'll assume their final form and fuck you up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for for what Slick is referring to, please just Google what is it? Woman loses her mind over chicken nuggets, or woman goes Super Saiyan over chicken nuggets. Pretty much, yeah. I'll put the link in the show notes. Fuck it. <laughs> there you have it. All right, Slick. I appreciate the assist as always. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. You got it, brother. Peace. Peace. That was our very own Slick. You can follow him at Twitter on Twitter at. RW underscore slick again on Twitter at at RW underscore slick. All right. So as I said, that is going to wrap up the gaming news for the week. Let's switch gears and jump into some entertainment because there is quite a bit going on. And I do want to talk a little bit about the latest Avengers age of Ultron uh, TV spot that was dropped during March madness earlier today. So let's get that ball rolling. All right, so I want to actually get the ball rolling with the the Avengers Age of Ultron TV spot that was shown earlier today. We were actually getting a a good copy of it to share with you guys on RageWorks.net. A lot of things came out of that trailer, and for those of you that are concerned that they're giving away too much of the movie, I do feel that while that, that, that can be debated, I did like the spot that was shown because they showed a lot of really cool things. Uh, really, uh, a lot of little Easter eggs and little tiny things that if you blink, you wouldn't notice. But what I did like, aside obviously from getting to see a little bit more 
of the action sequences is the fact that you're starting to get a bit more of just the uh, the individual characters' personalities showcased in the trailer. Because again, the 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 big trailer from before really gave you a lot of Ultron and a lot of ass kicking and a lot of explosions and and great action sequences. But this trailer actually elaborated a bit more on each of the individual Avengers, which was uh, a bit refreshing. And some people even felt that it was better than the previous trailers. We're going to actually post it on RageWorks.net. I really feel that that trailer drove the point home that Avengers is the must-see film. Obviously, when May 1st, actually, uh, not May 1st, uh, May 2nd. No, is it May 2nd? Yeah, May 1st. Correction, May 1st. I always get it confused. Um, May 1st is the release date for the film, but I have a nagging suspicion. Thank you, Slick. Um, when that film comes out, it's going to jump out of the gate that weekend with $100 million easy. And the reason I say this is because Marvel is really leveraging their advertising campaign to get it in as many eyes and in front of as many people as possible. In addition to that, the Captain America Civil War film is going to start filming in two weeks so we're not only going to have an onslaught of avengers stuff but we're slowly but surely going to get a lot of updates from the captain america set as well definitely smart marketing on the part of marvel again avengers age of ultron hits theaters may 1st on the flip side on the fox side of things it looks like fox has actually uh, decided to move out of the way with regards to their Fantastic Four sequel, and they've actually shifted the date for the film so that it does not compete against Star Wars Episode Eight. Mind you, Fox's first Fantastic Four film has not hit theaters yet, but they're already they have already set up a release date for a Fantastic Four sequel that they had to move out of the way so that it does not get trampled by Star Wars Episode Eight. Now, Star Wars Episode Eight is going to arrive May 26, 2017. Now, what that did was it pushed Fantastic Four 2 to June 2, 2017, and even that was shifted... Actually, correction. Um, Star Wars is going to arrive on May 26, and Fox actually pushed Fantastic Four from June 2 to June 9. Now, obviously, the rebooted Fantastic Four franchise hits theaters August 7th, and Star Wars Episode 7, is it episode, no, 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 Slicks, Episode 7 comes out for Christmas. Episode 8 is what I'm talking about. Mind you, Episode 7 hasn't even hit theaters. Trust me, I, I was just as confused as you when I was getting my notes together. So don't, no apologies necessary, but yeah, Episode 8 is what's being shifted, which actually forced the shift for a sequel to a Fantastic Four film that has not even hit theaters yet. So this is this is just a very, very big gamble on Fox's part that they've already locked up a release date for a second Fantastic Four film when the first film hasn't even hit theaters yet. Of course, the film can tank and you can act and you can scrap the entire thing, but Fox is really, really gambling on the on their vision of the Fantastic Four being good enough to warrant a sequel at least they were smart enough to not put it up against star wars because whether the movie's good or not star wars rules the box office as soon as it hits the screen it's just it's just how it is but 
I will say this. The rebooted Fantastic Four hits theaters August 7th. We got a couple of months, and I've heard conflicting reports about, you know, the the movie costumes the actually get making way for the costumes from the comics and other little things here and there. I'm not 100% sold on the concept. I still feel that this new Fantastic Four reimagining is not going to fare well at the box office because the changes are so drastic. But I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt only because of the people that are involved that are some really, really good talent. Overall, though, I do feel that the success, the the odds of the film being successful are definitely are definitely rather are rather slim. I gotta say they're they're definitely on the slim side. That's for sure. But we, we we're not gonna have to wait too long. The first Fantastic Four film hits theaters August seventh, and if it's actually remotely successful, then its sequel will hit will hit theaters June 9th, twenty seventeen. So. Jamie Foxx is in the news this week, and if there's one thing, whether you love Jamie Foxx or hate Jamie Foxx, I got to give the guy credit because when he's involved in in, in biopics or when he's playing uh, major historical characters, he is always on another level. We know this from his work in Ali. Um, Ali probably was one of the films that really, really showed that Jamie Foxx is a truly talented actor Uh, sharing, sharing the screen with Will Smith, who was over the top as the great Muhammad Ali is no small feat. Uh, Jamie Foxx definitely uh, showed a lot of range in that film. And I think that this next role, which I'm going to talk about in a moment is really going to test him because he's going to be playing Mike Tyson. Not only that, but he's going to be playing Mike Tyson in a biopic directed by Martin Scorsese, which is insane. Jamie Foxx revealed the news during his latest appearance on Power 105's Breakfast Club. Uh, Terrence Winter, who wrote The Wolf on Wall Street and co-created Boardwalk Empire with Martin Scorsese, wrote the script. Um, it's it's a really, really big project. Mike Tyson is on board. And to see something along the lines of Raging Bull, which was Martin Scorsese's last uh, boxing movie, is is really, really interesting. I mean, Mike Tyson is a guy who's, whose story whose lifestyle, everything about the man is just an enigma and is really, really worthy of being seen on screen is is going to really, it's going to be interesting to see Martin Scorsese bring that to life, um, especially because Mike Tyson's on board. Jamie Foxx is a solid actor and I really want to follow the development of this film. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Iron Mike. I love everything about the guy. I think that for for a guy who's been who's overcome so much adversity, he's always been successful in reinventing himself. Um, you know, from from the from his work in The Hangover to the Mike Tyson mysteries to just really really embracing some of the craziness that he's been involved in. Um, you know, it's 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 something that I'm really really looking forward to. Now, if you remember, um, there was a Mike Tyson movie that was done with uh, Michael Jai White years ago. And again, you know, the Mike Tyson story is so deep and there's so much at play, both from his early days to even now that I think that Martin Scorsese is going to do an awesome job. And I will be following the development of this film very, very closely. Another comedian who has tremendous success in dramatic roles is Eddie Murphy. Of course, Eddie Murphy has a ton of shitty movies 
but when he's in certain dramas, he is definitely on another level. And this time, he's going to be involved in a biopic of a guy who is considered a comedy legend, and that is the late Richard Pryor. Eddie Murphy's actually going to be playing Richard Pryor's father in Lee Daniels' biopic about the legendary comedian. Uh, Richard Pryor is going to be played by Mike Epps, and Kate Hudson's going to be playing uh, Jennifer Pryor, Richard Pryor's widow. Uh, definitely another film that I'm watching very closely. If you are, if you're a fan of comedy, you know that the gold standard for many people is Richard Pryor. He was one of those guys that he had such a great, engaging persona when you watched his stand-up. Not only that, but he did so many uh, awesome comedies. I mean, his work with with Gene Wilder in, in um, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, which is one of my favorites, is again just a testament to a guy that was just genuinely funny. It wasn't forced. It wasn't over the top. It was just a guy that knew how to really deliver great observational humor. And to see a guy like Eddie Murphy involved in this film is huge. I mean, Mike Epps is is not a shitty, you know, he's not a shitty comedian either. But again, you know, he's he's a guy, and Slick said it best, he's a hero for so many comedians, including Eddie Murphy. So to hear Eddie Murphy be involved in this project is really, really cool. Um, as for a release date, we don't have anything yet. Um, Lee Daniels is involved. Um, Prior was written by Bill Condon, who also has a very, very solid track record. Again, there's no release date as of yet, but as soon as we get one, we will definitely share it with you guys. Big Hero 6 is in the news this week. Superhero Hype reports that the Walt Disney Animation Studios film is now the top grossing animated film of 2014. It earned $620 million worldwide, beating DreamWorks' How to Train Your Dragon 2. It brought in $221 million domestically and just passed $400 million internationally. So, again, Big Hero 6, a Marvel movie, might I add, uh, succeeds in dethroning How to Train Your Dragon and earning the top-grossing animated feature of 2014 honor, which, again... You know, for for those of you that haven't checked out Big Hero 6, I cannot recommend it enough. It is a fun movie. It is incredibly heartwarming. And it does have a lot of subject matter that at times borders on a little bit more of the adult side. You know, um, there's there's things regarding loss and revenge. And um, it's it's incredibly well done. And again, I'm not saying that just because I'm a Marvel, you know, I'm a comic nerd. But just because the story was so well done and... Every every aspect of the film was just flawless, from the music to just the voice work. Every every aspect of it just definitely is is something that makes it a classic. If you haven't seen it, definitely give it a shot. If you are a Marvel fan, check it out and make sure to stick around after the credits. That's all I'm saying. All right, on the box office side of things, it should come as no shock to anyone that Cinderella came in at number one earning $70.1 million. Of course, the live-action version of Disney's animated classic uh, not only had was not only was it well-received, but people also felt that the film was incredibly well done. So, once again, Disney owns the box office with Cinderella earning $70.1 million. Run All Night came in at number two, earning $11 million. The Kingsman actually moved up a spot to take the number three, Spot earning $6.2 million. Their grand total right now is $107.4 million. Focus came in at number four. Chappie came in at number five. 
The second best exotic Marigold Hotel came in at six. The SpongeBob movie was seven. McFarland USA was number eight. American Sniper was nine. And The Duff came in at number ten. On the flip side, with regards to the box office, and Slick mentioned this earlier, the brand new Dragon Ball Z film, which is Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F, is actually scheduled to hit North American theaters. For those of you that don't know, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F uh, is going to follow the resurrection of a very iconic Dragon Ball Z villain, that being Frieza, who is brought back uh, with the Dragon Balls and, of course, is looking to exact his revenge on Goku. We're also going to see the return of Beerus, who many of you may have seen in the last big screen Dragon Ball film. Again, it is going to get a North American release uh, right now. They are doing a special world premiere of the movie in Japanese with English subtitles at the Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles on April 11th. There's a limited amount of tickets that are already available. And um, if you want to know more and you want to check the movie out, the film is going to be hitting Japanese theaters on April 18th. So there you have it. Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F is going to get an, an English dub when it is released in theaters here in the States. But if you are on the West Coast and want to check it out in Japanese with the English subtitles, you got to head to the Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles. There you have it, folks. The um And, and this, this next story is interesting because, for me, I always felt that this film, the original was good, the remake was average, and now there's a rumor that we're going to be getting a TV series as well. That film, the film I'm talking about is Let the Right One In. The original film, which you can probably still check out on Netflix, was incredibly well done. Of course, they did an American version, which had Chloe Grace Moretz in the role of a young lady who's next door to a boy who's bullied, um, and the young girl turns out to be a vampire, and the film follows the relationship between the young girl, her caretaker, and the boy next door. Well... It looks like we're going to be getting that as a TV series. The Hollywood Reporter is stating that Let the Right One In is heading to TV. It looks like A&E has acquired the series after a bidding war with Showtime. So Let the Right One In is heading to the small screen. I'm not sure how well that will translate because there's only so much of that story you can, you can really elaborate on over the course of a series unless they're going to move beyond just a relationship of the, the, the young vampire and the boy next door and maybe touch on some other subjects. But I'm not sure that, that, a, that a film like that is going to make a compelling TV series. But A&E has a very, very solid track record. And um, we'll see how it pans out. For me, personally, I felt that the Chloe, the Chloe Grace Moretz remix, um, you know, it was, it was okay. The remake, excuse me, not the remix. The, the remake was, it was passable. I didn't hate it. But I just felt that it, it didn't have the same, it didn't grab you the same way that the original film did. And I mean, the case can be made for a lot of films that were remade. I mean, you can look at um, uh, The Ring. The Ring is a great example that, you know, the Japanese film is leaps and bounds ahead of its American counterpart. But that's not always the case, but most of the time it is. I mean, I actually watched the American remake of Old Boy, and while it was not completely shitty... It definitely was not good, but but again, it, you know the the quality of film of remakes like that varies from film to film. But I'm curious to see how they're gonna expand on such a 
a, a, a contained story for a series. Again, once we get a premiere date, we will definitely share it with you guys. The next bit of news you can take as kind of what the fuck movie news, but it really was something that came out of left field. And that is Joseph Gordon-Levitt producing and starring in a live-action Fraggle Rock film. For those of you that don't know, Fraggle Rock was a puppet show created by Muppets creator Jim Henson that originally aired on HBO. Hell, I remember watching it many, many times as a kid. It originally debuted in 1983 and ran for five seasons. Um, it, it the the series followed uh Gobo, Wembley, Mookie, Boober, and Red who lived in Fraggle Rock. They interacted with humans who thought who thought they were aliens. If you haven't watched it, it um you can find it on YouTube. You can find box sets online. Um, for me, I here's the thing. A lot of these movies, the Smurfs, Scooby Doo, you know, so many iconic cartoons that get brought into you know the live action space they're just not well received it, it was it was really really weird um like here's a good example look at speed racer speed racer the cartoon is a cartoon that many of us watch growing up and we enjoyed it some of us more than others and when they created a film out of when they created a live action version of it it just didn't have that same magic sure the effects were cool and the film was very very um, was very bright and vibrant, but the the overall narrative and just the overall presentation left a lot to be desired. Now, live action Scooby Doo, it's debatable. Some some really liked it. Some were middle of the road, and others hated it. Me personally, I was kind of in the middle of the road camp. There were parts of of the Scooby Doo films that were that were kind of cool. Uh, the same could be said about the Smurfs. Uh, but again. It's 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 always going to be hit hit or miss. Now, with Fraggle Rock, it's interesting because, you know, we're 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 coming off uh, a very successful run of Muppets films, and you know the Muppets being as popular as they are still gives gives me a little hope that Fraggle Rock will be successful. But it's just something that is a little more dated and a little more niche than something like Scooby Doo. I mean, Fraggle Rock, like I said hasn't really been in the mainstream eye for quite some time. Even if you watch, like I said, the obscure videos on YouTube or, you know, you watch, you watch some of the, some of the DVDs or, or some of the VHS tapes. I know a couple of guys that got VHS tapes of Fraggle Rock that are, that are worth a couple of bucks. And again, it's one of those things where I want to take a wait and see approach, especially because Joseph Gordon Levitt is producing the film and starring in it. I mean, the guy, the guy's putting his name on something that can can definitely blow up in his face. So I'm gonna take a wait and see approach with it. Um, Slick says if it doesn't have the gorgs and trash heap, then fuck it. <laughs> Slick, I will keep an eye on that to make sure that the gorgs and trash heap are mentioned. If not, I will definitely let you know that as well. Uh, very very passionate response from our very own Slick. Last bit of, ent- of entertainment news to wrap things up is um, a film that many people just really, really didn't enjoy, but for some reason has entered into a brand new record-breaking status, and that is Transformers Age of Extinction. Transformers Age of Extinction now has the distinction of being the most valuable film 
of 2014 according to Deadline. Deadline's number crunchers actually estimate that the film netted a profit of roughly $250 million, edging out American Sniper that has earned $242 million thus far. With that said, from a profit standpoint, Age of Extinction is number one with $250 million. American Sniper is number two. The Lego Movie is three. The Hunger Games Mocking J Part 1 came in at number 4, earning $211 million. Guardians of the Galaxy earned uh, $204.2 million. Maleficent was number 6 with $190 million. Big Hero 6 was $187. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was number 8. Captain America Winter Soldier was number 9. And 22 Jump Street was number 10, earning $144 million. Now, you're probably curious as to, you know, why some of these other films did not earn as much. There's a lot of things you got to consider. Obviously, releasing the film in IMAX is something that you can't ignore because that's definitely going to boost box office ticket sales. I mean, you know, the difference between American Sniper and Transformers Age of Extinction, while it is noticeable, it's also, again, broken down into how the film was released. The The Lego movie, I expected it to definitely be in the $200 million bucket. I am not shocked. The thing that got me was X-Men Days of Future Past, which is number 16 and, was re- and made $77 million, was also in theaters in IMAX. But it's crazy that Transformers Age of Extinction earned so much money. It is insane. Obviously, the biggest thing to, to, to talk about here is that out of the 20 valuable films that are listed on this list, the bulk of them are comic-based tentpoles. Guardians of the Galaxy, Big Hero 6, Captain America, X-Men Days of Future Past, all comic book movies. The second genre represented was obviously young adult, you know, young adult books, uh, The Hunger Games, Divergent uh, definitely were there. Um, it, it, it's crazy to me that nobody takes into consideration when they're looking at box office totals that IMAX and 3D ticket sales are a big factor. If anything, it should be three tiers of box office totals, standard ticket sales, IMAX ticket sales, and, you know, 3D ticket sales. And the reason I say this is because not every theater is airing the movie in IMAX, but a lot of movies are being shown in 3D. So again, even though in the sum of all parts is that the movie made a shit ton of money, the fact is that I'd like to see a breakdown of standard box office, IMAX box office, and 3D box office just to see how what's the real driver for some of these movies to make the record-breaking totals that they've made. Because again, for for every movie that's on here, there there's a case that can be made that, well, this movie was 3D, this movie had IMAX, etc., etc., etc. But at the end of the day... Transformers Age of Extinction is the top dog for now. Again, we got Fast 7, well, correction, Furious 7 in April. We got Avengers Age of Ultron in May. Everybody, uh, early estimates are that Fast and Furious 7, or Furious 7, depending on, on what you read, is going to at least bring in $100 million opening weekend. These are early estimates. Again, this list, while it is... Uh, current as of right now, I have a feeling that is going to change over the next couple of months dramatically, especially like I said, 
with Avengers Age of Ultron roughly, you know, a month and a half away. So, again, nice uh, nice feather in the cap for Michael Bay. Uh, I'm sure he's laughing his way to the bank. Um, for those of you that haven't checked out Age of Extinction, check it out at your own risk. Uh, great special effects, uh, craziness at its best. Uh, definitely, if you are a fan of IMAX, uh, pick up the 3D version because the IMAX scenes are only exclusive to the 3D version of the film. All right. So with that bit of news on that note, it is time to wrap up the show. So let's get out of here, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 282 broadcasting live Thursday, March 19th, 2015. As always, My Take Radio is presented by Rageworks, the operating gear in the pop culture machine. To find archived episodes of the show, you can find My Take Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio as always you can subscribe via any of those platforms plus you can find shows on rageworks.net if you're a fan of video you can find video versions of the show on my take radio tv on youtube as well as our official rageworks youtube channel as always if you want the best mtr experience pick up the official my take radio app available for Android, iOS, and Windows mobile devices. It's $1.99, cheaper than a cup of coffee. You get get first-party access to exclusive content before the general public, mobile wallpapers, and a ton of perks. Again, it's $1.99. For iOS devices, you're heading to iTunes. For Windows devices, you are heading to the Windows Marketplace. And as always, for Android, you are heading to the Amazon Android Store. With that said... On behalf of myself and the rest of the Rageworks MTR family, we are out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Catch us next week, Wednesday night, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Peace.